0: Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about the Law of Continuance. And by the way, you need to subscribe to our email. You get it free. If you go to MyFaithRoots.com, you can find out how to get it. It comes right along with this lesson every single day. And then be sure to hit that little thumbs up button at the bottom of this screen. That'll help me to get our podcast in front of more people. Now, we've established the connections between Christ and David and Christ and Abraham, and those connections are very heavily emphasized in the Gospels and in the epistles. Now we're going to establish another connection. We're going to establish the connection between Christ and Adam. Now, here's why. Adam created a big mess, and don't be too hard on him because I think all of us would have done the same thing. Uh, We have sinned. If you have sinned, you would have done the same thing. Uh, So let's look at what happened when Adam sinned. And and this seems to be really, really harsh, doesn't it? That one man sins and throws the whole world into sin. But the good side of that is if one man's sin brought sin to the whole race, the whole of the human race, uh, if that happened, then it only takes the obedience of one person to rescue. So that's why this is a good thing. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Romans 5, 12, and death through sin, in this way death came to all men because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. So death came into the human race, uh, even though no man broke the law like Adam did by eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But but we all sinned in other ways, and, uh, and the people sinned in other ways. And they sinned by violating what they knew was right to do in the inside, on the inside. Romans 2 says that even the heathen has the law of God written on his heart. Now, we go on here. It says, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow... To the many. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Now he goes on and he says, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of one man many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. So God is saying here to us, if only one man is all that it took to mess it all up, then... It ought to be fair and fitting that just one man is necessary to get it all back. And that's what God had in mind when he sent Jesus. And the beautiful thing about it is he became the one man. He came himself to pay that price. He didn't ask any of us to pay that price because we couldn't have had we wanted to. We weren't sinless, but he put his own son into the womb of Mary in order that he could be the sinless one to redeem and rescue us. He's the only one, he's the only one who could have done it. Now I want you to think about this. In all of the Old Testament, we read prophecies how that the Messiah is going to be connected to David. We see it fulfilled in the Gospel of Matthew Uh, We read how that the Messiah is connected to Abraham, but there's almost never anyone, not until the Apostle Paul talks about it, do we see Messiah connected to Adam. You know, here's why. No amount of Holy Spirit anointing would have equipped anyone to do the undoing of the work of Adam. Only Christ could do that. Because it was not a matter of anointing, it was a matter of nature and position. Jesus, by nature, was sinless. By position, he was completely right with God. He stood in righteousness before God. There was no claim on him. He had never sinned, he never considered sinning, he kept himself pure, yet, He was capable of it because he was tempted, but he resisted the temptation. And so he was faithful in every way, and that is why he's a wonderful high priest because he knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows the pressures that you're under. Let me tell you this, there are three different kinds of temptation. They all come in three categories. Number one is the lust of the flesh. Some temptations are temptations of the lust of the flesh, and they can be very powerful. Jesus resisted the most powerful lust of the flesh, which came through hunger, and He did not turn the stones into bread. Then there was the lust of the eyes. Satan showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and all the glory of those kingdoms and said, all of this I will give to you. This has been delivered to me and I'll give it to you. That's the lust of the eyes. Then Satan appealed to him through the pride of life. And he said to Jesus, these people don't think you're Messiah. So why don't you prove it? jump off the temple, let the angels catch you. In one instant you can show the whole world that you are who you say you are. And so Jesus was tempted with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are all the ways we can be tempted. Every temptation falls in one of those three categories, and Jesus resisted them all. And by the way, they were all the extremes of those three types of temptation. So Christ resisted all of that in order that he could be a faithful high priest for you and for me. And Satan could never say that he was not subject to temptation. He was. He was tempted so that he could be uh, a righteous one, declared righteous. He resisted it. He was exposed to it. Uh, Satan could be the accuser of God and say, you know, you never let him be exposed to me. But Jesus was exposed to him. And Jesus didn't buy into what Satan offered. Now, no amount of anointing then could fix the sin problem. Uh, You could anoint somebody to kill lions with his bare hands, but that wouldn't fix the sin problem. You could anoint someone to part the Red Sea, but that wouldn't uh, fix the sin problem. You could anoint someone to cleanse lepers of leprosy, but that would not fix the sin problem. You could anoint someone to call fire down out of heaven uh, on a burnt offering, but that wouldn't fix the sin problem. There's only one way that the sin problem can be fixed, and that is a righteous man has to die. An innocent man has to die as a sacrifice in the place of, of all other men. Now, if the wages of sin is death, and if God punishes sin with death, if death has a right, and by the way, you see uh, what we read there in Romans 5, that death had a right to come on the human race because death is the penalty of sin, and God decreed that. That wasn't something that Satan wanted to do. God decreed that death should come as a result of sin. Now think about that. If God doesn't put that penalty on sin then people who sin and do horrible things are destined to live forever in those wicked things. But because death is the penalty for sins, that means then there is a finality at some point down the road that death stops those people from being able to do everything that they would do in their wickedness. So here is what God did. God sent His own Son, to be the second Adam. Now I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to start with verse uh, 44, last part of the verse. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. Actually it says he became a living soul. The last Adam a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earthly man. They're of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Now, here's what that means. The first Adam could only give to humanity what he was. He had a natural human body. It was a perfect human body. Not, a, not an immortal human body. If he was immortal, then when he sinned, uh, he couldn't have died. So he was not immortal. He was perfect, and there's a difference. We've got three stages. we got mortal, that means subject to death, immortal, which is not subject to death, and perfect, which is not dead, but it could be if it leaves its status. And that's what Adam did. He left his status as a perfect man, and he became a mortal man, subject to death. He didn't die immediately, died 930 years later, but he did die. And he brought death into the world for the whole of the human race. All of them were subjected to this death because of the sin of Adam. Now, we bear Adam's image right now. We will die physically. We die physically, our bodies age. I can tell you that I used to laugh at people who had knee trouble. Uh, I started doing a lot of hiking when I was in my fifties and sixties and running bleachers. And for the first time ever in my life, I felt what it was like to have bad knees. And I laughed at people who had bad knees before I thought, oh, you're just faking it or it's not real. Cause I, I played football, did all kinds of things, never had a knee problem in my life till I got into my fifties and buddy, did I start seeing what people were talking about? We bear the image now. We're different now. We will die physically because of what Adam did and what he gave to us. He gave us what he was. But we will someday bear the image of the second Adam in our bodies. Now, listen to this. This is 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, Now are we the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So Adam gave us what he was. Jesus is going to give us what he is. And what he is, is a resurrected son of God, with a glorified body. Now let's go back and let's read this again in the book of 1 Corinthians 15. The spiritual did not come first. The first Adam became a living being, the last Adam a life-giving spirit. So Jesus is called the last Adam. I've heard people get mad about this and say some people call him the second Adam. He's not the second Adam. Oh yes, he is. He's only the second person ever. To operate as Adam operated. He was sinless in this earth. So he's called both the first or the last Adam and the second Adam. So there's only two. And so Jesus fulfilled uh, the role of the second Adam or the last Adam by being the only sinless man. Now, here's what I would say about that I would say that Jesus wouldn't have died had he not submitted to death, the death of the cross. Because death had no claim on him. If Jesus was going to die physically anyway, then he could not have been our sacrifice. And he certainly could not have destroyed physical death. The only way that death could fasten itself on Jesus was through the seed of the man. And because he was not regenerated by the seed of a man, he wasn't born Uh, by a man's seed impregnating Mary, it was the seed of the Word of God that begot him, then Jesus was a perfect human being. Not immortal, but not mortal either. He was a perfect human being when he was killed. And so he rose and became an immortal human being. That's where we are all headed. By the way, We already bear the image of Jesus in our spirits. Do you know that when Christ returns, nothing has to happen in your spirit to get you ready for heaven? You've already been born again. The life of God's already there. The part that will need changing is your physical body. And so now what we see here, the law of continuance. What God began with Adam, he's going to finish in Adam. And he did it with the second Adam. So what God begins with a miracle, he sustains with a miracle, and he finishes with a miracle. This is the law of continuance, but we're not done. We'll pick up here next week, see you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app,